I tried everything and I, I just could not find any peace at all. But the school that I went to at the time, it was also connected to our, our church. It was right across the street from it. So I just kind of wandered over there really. And they had adoration over there. I, I walked in, I sat down and I wasn't worried about anything in that moment. And for me, it was that relief that I was looking for. It felt like there was there was some sort of light. There was something for me to cling on to. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for the I Am Here campaign. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Today we welcome Paolo Vitale to share his story. Welcome, Paolo. We are so glad to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We're so glad to have you. Um, to help our audience get to know you a little bit better, can you share with us uh, where you go to church, where you like to spend time in adoration, and, and what you're doing with your life these days? Yeah, so I'm my parish is St. Isidore um, at 23 and Romeo Plank. Um, my parents are married there. I was baptized there, so um, that's more where I would where I would go to adoration. Um, we also go to Saint Sarah Methodius Slovak Catholic Church, and okay. they have it um, most days. So sometimes you know try to go there, but yeah, beautiful. It's probably between those two. Nice, nice. And what do you do for a living? Um, so I do project management for a prime defense contractor and manufacturer. I've been only doing that for about six months, but yeah, we just we sell direct to the military. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just love doing that. Well, we were so glad to hear your story earlier this summer and to get to share it on IamHere.org. And you have a, a really powerful testimony of the way God worked in your life over time. Um, but there was one particular moment you talked about in high school when you were kind of dealing with some some tough things and, um, and the Lord kind of stepped in in a big way. Can you take us back to that time in your life? What was, what was that like and, and how did the Lord intervene? Well, so like one of the things with that was it was probably the first, probably like the first small stepping stone towards me, towards my faith becoming my own. Because I kind of started off um, with my, with my, um, with my story talking about how, you know, I was raised Catholic, you know, we always went to church, but it was just kind of always something that mom and dad did, Sure. you know. So for this particular um, part of my life, Having felt that, you know, I didn't have as much friends as I had before, um, I kind of, a lot of stuff, I was losing a lot of friendships, a lot of it my fault, some of it not my fault, but regardless, um, it was just hard for me because I was starting to like realize that life wasn't going to go how I had envisioned it, you know. So for me, that was kind of scary for the first time in my life, and I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have my own faith. It was just, you went on Sunday and we prayed the rosary at night. Sure. So it wasn't really my, it wasn't my faith. Mm. And I kind of always, my favorite saint growing up, I always said was St. Augustine because the line, I'll be holy tomorrow, I'll be holy later. <laughs> you know, I don't need to be holy. Right, not, you right. know, I'm not, I'm not going to die just yet. <laughs> so, so for me, it was like, I had no desire to pursue my faith at that point. But because of all of these worries and anxieties that I had about whether I would still, you know, be around in 10 years to Mm -hmm. be able to get married, whether I would be able um, to make new friends, what my life would look like, Mm -hmm. 
for me, that was just really stressful. And there was a lot of elements, I guess, to that. I want a lot of reasons why I was stressed out on top of those. But the thing that I remember is just feeling like there just wasn't a way out. There was no Mm -hmm. release. There was no relief. There was nothing. I just kind of felt trapped. And I just remember days just wishing, like, I just wish that I hit the bottom. I just kind of feel like I keep falling. Like, if, at least if I hit the bottom, I'd have something to jump up off of. Right, right. Paolo, yeah. how old were you when you felt this way? It's, I think it's important for our listeners to know that you're you're still quite a young man. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 22 right now. Okay, and then so when all of this was kind of happening in your life, high school age? Yeah, probably it's probably 16 and 17. Okay. Probably, probably the, that was probably the low point <laughs> at that point. At that time, I tried everything, and I, I just could not I just could not find any peace at all. Mm. But the school that I went to at the time, it was also connected to our, our church. It was like right across the, mm-hmm. right across the street from it. So so I had just kind of want I just kind of wandered over there really. and they had adoration over there. Um, and I just kind of I, I walked in, I sat down. And I wasn't worried about anything mm-hmm. in that moment. And for me, it was kind of like it was that relief that I was looking for. It felt like there was there was some sort of light. There was something for me to cling on to. Um, and I feel like in that moment, I just needed that. I just needed that relief just for a second, just to just to know that there was something more than this, that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, that there was a way out and but I didn't grasp any of that sure. <laughs> at that time. I just I just enjoyed the fact that I felt peace. And I just remember getting like a text from my mom, like, where are you? Oh wow. And you know, I'm like, I'm actually in adoration right now. And she's probably like, yeah, okay, where, where are you really? <laughs> you <laughs> well, know? Well, speaking about your mom and your dad too, you, you made a comment at the beginning that, you know, you felt like it wasn't really your faith, but what, what a great gift your parents gave to you in being a witness of that faith you know, um, for sure, going to mass and, you know, praying the rosary as a family in the evening that, that gave you that foundation to, to kind of fall back or fall into faith. And my question would be what, as a 16 or 17 year old, you know, um, what, what made you go to the adoration chapel? Like in that moment? Yeah. I had absolutely, I didn't know that there was adoration. Okay. I, I kind of just stumbled into the main part of the church and I just saw that it was exposed and I knew that they had it. I didn't realize at that time, but I just knew that they had it. And it was just this sense of, I'm just going to sit here. It's quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like it's nice. It's quiet. You know, there's no noise or whatever. Um, and I just remember sitting there. And like I said, there was no spiritual significance to it at the time for me. Like I didn't think I have peace because I'm in adoration, mm-hmm. nothing like that. It was just, I had peace and I didn't know why. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get up. I just wanted to sit there because I knew as soon as I left, everything was going to come, like it was all going to come back Mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to have that peace anymore. So I didn't really put two and two together probably until at least a year or two later. Okay. But yeah. And, And you had shared that both your dad and your grandfather had kind of a big influence on you. Um, with maybe some advice that they were giving back at that time. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you, you know, what the advice they were giving to you and, and how you were responding to that during that kind of difficult season of your life? Like that was the lowest point and then it was gradually up from there. Mm-hmm. And through that time, like my grandfather in particular, it was always, 
I didn't understand why he had so much peace. He didn't understand that I didn't see that mm-hmm. the answer was so clear. Like, <laughs> you know, just go to adoration, just go to communion. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but you know, I'm 17, you're 75, you're like, whatever, like it might work for you. It doesn't work for me right now. I'm mm-hmm. busy. I don't have enough time. And he was, I didn't realize even, even now that my grandfather had a difficult life, that my grandfather mm-hmm. worked very hard, that he was young, mm-hmm. that he had to go through all these things too. And that the advice he was giving me was not from a grandfather's perspective, looking at a 17 year old, but knowing that he was that age once and that he didn't get where he was overnight. Right. You know, and he's like, no, I do understand where, where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, that everybody has a story, that everybody mm-hmm. went through something. Right. And, you know, you're not the first person to have a hard time. As far as my father, it was always kind of, you know, he knew I was a control freak. He knows that I am a control freak. <laughs> and he knows that I want, even in the car, he, he was even telling me I was asking him for advice. And he's like, take I out of it, you know, and just understand, you know, that while God can't steer a parked car, you know, you know, you have to give him some control. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to let him in and work in your life. And that was the thing is that I didn't, at that particular time in my life, I was trying to put everything on myself. Mm. I had to figure everything out. And if I didn't have the answer to everything, then I wouldn't get anything that I wanted. And for someone that didn't know a dang thing, that was pretty stressful. (laughs) I bet. You know? I bet. So that's kind of where, you know, once I started owning my faith and realizing that, you know, that God does hear me. Um, and that he does want what's best for me and that if I follow him and do the best I can and I try not to be a part car and I try to be that I try to actually do things myself in the sense of like you know taking initiative and taking those steps towards him that he would put everything more or less um, help me get to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. What were some of the the questions that you wanted answers to or the the problems you were looking for solutions for at that time in your life? Like how how would I ever support a family? Like kind of like, you know, like high school is tough enough. How am I going to get through college? Oh my gosh. You know, how am I going to, you know, get my first job? How am I going to, you know, like I said, I wanted control. And I realized that at that moment, I wasn't like strong enough and smart enough to actually put my life in my hands and actually go and get everything I wanted myself. So it was kind of that thought of like, well, maybe I'll be a little bit smarter tomorrow. Maybe I'll figure this out tomorrow. But it w- but I had to figure everything out. Mm. It sounds like that first day going into the Adoration Chapel, that was sort of the first day where you were really learning to let go. Yeah, it was. You know, just kind of surrendering a little bit of that control. How would you say your life of prayer has changed from that from that point of being kind of in a place of not knowing where else to turn, kind of hit, at least as as it feels like, sort of hitting rock bottom, then you go into the Adoration Chapel and you find this peace that you haven't been able to find anyplace else. Um, What did your time after that look like? Was it going back to Adoration um, semi-regularly, regularly? Um, what did it do in, in your heart and in your own relationship with the Lord? Well, it, it started with things as simple as I'm actually going to participate in the family rosary. Like, you know, like like little things like that where I was like, it was the first time that I realized that this could be my faith um, and that I wanted to do more right by by God. 
and I started to believe more because that was a main thing in in my story that I said, you know, I I didn't fully believe. Mm. So that was hard. But then it became like I wanted to go to mass more. So I would so I would go and um, before like our youth group, I try to go to the I try to go to mass. And it kind of started that. And again, it wasn't even a devotion yet. It was just, I just wanted to do more. Mm. And I didn't really understand. So it was, you know, I wanted to pray a little bit more. I wanted to go to Mass a little bit more. But I don't even think that it was until maybe this past year that I really understood everything. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of growing from 17 to to, to now. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Those are beautiful things to look back on. A lot of times in the scriptures, when somebody's dealing with somebody, the Lord tells them to remember, mm. to look back, to see how, you know, his hand has been in, in all of this. And so I think that's, that's so beautiful for you for, to be able to identify, to say that at 22, I'm not where I was when I was 17. Um, and God has worked in so many of these little ways and big ways to bring me to where I am today. And I think I think that's a great witness to everyone who's listening as well. You know, sometimes we feel stuck in one place or or another. Um, and the Lord just kind of moves in our hearts and just says, just remember, look back, see how I've been there. Um, and we see how, how it really is all grace. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back to that, that moment that we talked about already. Um, but so you say that you don't really understand or didn't understand at that time what was really happening. Um, but kind of with this retrospect, these last several years in mind, um, what were the, the little by little moments that led you to this deeper understanding that you're at today versus where you were at at that time when you were 17? There's a specific moment that I remember when I was just, you know, I just felt like, I would never, I would never be able to be like a good man, like in the like in God's eyes. And I just kind of, I felt stuck. I felt um, like I was always just trying to stay out of hell in a way. And it was just doing that bare minimum. And I think that one of the moments, and if I had to say, I think it might have been nineteen. I had this realization that it was, I didn't want. I didn't want to shoot for staying out of hell, but I wanted, I wanted to more sh- shoot for um, gaining heaven. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start practicing more virtue instead of avoid, instead of just avoiding sin. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to, you know, go and find God instead of, you know, trying to do just enough where I'm not a horrible person. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, hey, you know, he let me in. I'm not as bad as that guy. Right. You know, whatever. <laughs> and it kind of became more or less like I wanted to do. I wanted to do right by him. I wanted to to love him, to mm-hmm. pursue him, um, and to strive for more virtue instead of just trying to avoid sin. Because at that point, like I didn't like back at that moment when I was in adoration when I was seventeen, I didn't care about anything at the, at that point. But I didn't really love God at that point. Mm. Like I knew that He was there, and I was thankful, but I didn't really love Him. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, like. Every time we sin, we know we're hurting God. We can't love him if we're not willing, you know, if we're not willing what's, it, it sounds weird, like willing what's best for him. But like, if you're hurting him, you're not, mm. <laughs> you know, you're not doing what's best for him. You don't love him. You know, like your journey of faith is kind of like trying to walk up a down escalator. If you're standing <laughs> still, you're going down. Right, you know, right. you got to start yeah. walking forward. 
And it was just little moments like that that I was starting to understand really good friends in my life that were, you know, willing to be, you know, kind of like that example for me, my father, my grandfather, um, my godfather, stuff like that, where I, people like that, where I was able to, um, I was able to see them Mm -hmm. striving for virtue Mm -hmm. and I was able to see um, what God's done in their life and just surrounding myself with more people like that. Can you tell us, you've mentioned um, your dad, your grandfather, and now your godfather, Mm -hmm. Um, just the importance of those male role models in the faith for you. As a kid and as a young man, I kind of saw that, okay, like they weren't always like this, so I have time to get like them at some point. But like what what I kind of saw in them was the fact that because it was so normal to be surrounded by such great people, I kind of took that for granted mm. um, until I realized what a blessing it was that I had that blueprint. Mm-hmm. And that once I chose to make my faith my own, I knew what to do. Mm-hmm. I knew what it took to be a good man. I knew what it took to be a good Catholic man. I knew what it would take to be a good husband and father one day. And I had all these tools and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been squandering like this (laughs) grace and like everything that I've had. Cause I have my, I have my godfather and then my confirmation godfather, both Mm -hmm. my dad's brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just both great guys. And I've seen, you know, I've just seen firsthand between them, you know, my father and my grandfather, just like, you know, all their kids were always at mass. You know, Mm -hmm. they always did everything the right way. They're always involved in men's groups. They're always involved. I'm like, oh, this is just what they do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. But in reality, I did have that blueprint that all I had to do was change my heart, Mm. pull down the (laughs) blueprint and look at it, (laughs) and then tweak, you know, what worked for me in my life. I can't imagine having the struggles that I had and not having anything to fall back on. Mm -hmm. You know, but by God's grace, I did have that. I think that vulnerability that we need in prayer with the Lord, um, that's a little easier maybe than vulnerability with your dad or your grandfather. And mm-hmm. just, I think for men in general, for us to, to um, you know, speak to others on, on a spiritual level um, is so difficult, but it, it's so mm-hmm. necessary and so necessary, especially for um, fathers with, with, their, with their children but their their sons especially. So uh, thank God for the great witnesses that you have in your family. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You have this amazing, you know, team of people in your corner, and um, and kind of going off what you were saying, Father, about just um, the the vulnerability shared there, but also how that you know kind of primes you for that type of relationship with the Lord. Um, I want to talk a little bit about about that. Um, you know, thinking back to this this first kind of moment of maybe an itty bitty bit of surrender back in high school, um, sitting before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, at the center of this story is Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament. Since then, how has his presence in the Blessed Sacrament um, called you deeper? What has that looked like in your life, whether it's, you know, in mass or during adoration or just visiting the chapel? How has his presence in the Blessed Sacrament um really, you know, invited you into this deeper devotion that, that you have found? I'm able to make Mass a lot easier than Adoration a lot of times. And at a lot of Masses, they'll have Adoration right after where I can stay for a few moments before I, you know, go to work mm-hmm. or whatever. And it, it was just kind of 
it was the sense of, I remember when I first started going to adoration, I started adding to my prayers at the beginning, you know, Lord, I know you hear me. Thank you for hearing me, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, like, Lord, I know you're here. Thank you. Thank you for being here and acknowledging his presence rather than just being like, yeah, like I know that he's here, but I feel like there was a difference between knowing he was there and acknowledging that he was there. And once I had acknowledged that he was there with me, he became more than just, you know, you know, God in the sky, you know, whatever. He was God alongside me. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really important because I felt like I can actually talk to him mm-hmm. like one of my friends, like a father. You know, I would address him and, you know, address him as father, address him as Lord. You know, it became so so much more personal to me going and receiving him and understanding that it was him going before the sacrament and realizing mm-hmm. that he was really standing there. It was just very almost, in, I guess, empowering in a way. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's mm-hmm. the right word, but like, I felt like, you know, you felt like you had someone in your corner. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, he wasn't just in the tabernacle. He wasn't just in heaven. Like he was actually right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that it's not like when he's in the sacrament, just because you can't see him, it's not like he's sleeping, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know? He's he's actually there, and we can't we can't see him how we would see each other. Mm-hmm. But there's this sense of when the belief is so strong, you can almost feel him being there. Mm-hmm. Just going to mass, going to adoration, and having those moments in my life just kind of helped me more or less acknowledge his presence in my life, rather than just believing that he's around. Sure. One of the things that I'm asked a lot as a priest, especially from young people, is um, like, what do I do in in Eucharistic adoration? So for, for people your age, you know, early 20s or late teens, whatever, um, what, what would you say to, or what, or what would you tell me? How, how could I encourage them um, or, or give them a, an idea of maybe what works for you? A lot of times just being silent because mm-hmm. especially, you know, as young people, we're so overly stimulated. I mean, there's noise everywhere. There's temptation everywhere. Just be silent. Mm-hmm. Start off with, uh, you know, with a prayer, your intentions, but really just sit there and be quiet because you don't get that, you don't get that time on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get that quiet time. You definitely don't get it with God. Um, so just to sit there and just to listen, to just let Him work on you, you know. And I mean, I would encourage you know young people to go to mass and adoration as much as they possibly can, because, you know, like the name of this program, you know, I am here. You know, that's the whole thing. Like he is there. You're asking mm-hmm. him for help. You're asking him to mm-hmm. come to come to you, but you're not going to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I wasn't going to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like sort of like that relationship. Like someone can someone can love you, you know, as much as they want. But until you re- reciprocate that, you're not going to get the graces of that relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to pursue other people in order to receive the graces of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And if we're not pursuing God, He can love us all He wants, but we're not gonna we're not gonna receive that joy and that transformation in our life until we pursue Him. Right. Wow. Yeah. Saint Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, he uh, writes about God's love, and he says the very purpose of God's love, or the very purpose that God loves us, is that so we can love Him in return, and in loving Him in return, God gives to us from that as well, mm-hmm. because in in loving Him, He He allows us to experience that that joy and that happiness that without that relationship with him without that um opportunity to to come before him in that way 
there, there's something missing. There's, there's an essential part of our um, humanity that, that's missing mm-hmm. because, because we were made to be in communion with God. And so uh, it's just so, so beautiful that, that you're, you're mindful of that, that, you, that you're in touch with that. Um, and w- what, what happens, um, what, what about when you get distracted, though? Oh, I mean, distractions are all distractions are all over the place. There's not as much that you can do with that. But if you go into adoration with the intent to become closer to Christ, I mean, I feel like you would get the graces to be able to focus more on him. And a lot of times we feel like we can't break our f- focus and adoration. Like we have to just be staring at the monstrance, you know, constantly. You're just you're just there with him. Mm-hmm. Be there with him and be there with him with the intent of getting to know him better and to understand that you're visiting with him um, mm. and that he's also visiting with you. Mm. He understands we're human. He understands we get, you know, distracted. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean that, you know, you should come back later, you know. Just be there with him and open yourself up to him and let him work on you. Amen. Beautiful. Paulo, it's clear that you have discerned a, a, a transformation in your life since that time you popped in the Adoration Chapel kind of unexpectedly several years ago. You've, you know, sensed what God has done over time, but you're still human and we still experience difficulties and challenges and anxieties and questions and a desire to control things. So now when those things come up for you, um, when you spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, what is your prayer like when it has to do with, you know, a trial or a, a point of anxiety or um, a particular challenge that you're going through? How do you bring those things to Jesus now? One of the main things like my dad always tells me, you know, surrender to Christ. He even, he even has the prayer, surrender to Christ. I do not have it memorized, but I have the card, <laughs> you know, and praying that prayer, um, but also asking God to be with you and for us to come and to be with him. And one of my favorite prayers, especially like when I'm going through a hard time, my first instinct, my first human instinct is to try to fix it myself mm-hmm. and to blame, not to blame God, but you know, I don't want to say my prayers. I don't want to, I just want to fix this thing. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite prayers that I started adding to all my prayers um, was the uh, a part of the Stations of the Cross where he says, grant that I may love you always and then do with me what you will. Mm-hmm. And to understand that no matter what God's will is in, in your life, you know, asking God um, for the grace to truly love him through all of that, because in loving him, we will be pursuing the virtues. We will be, you know, um, attaining the sacraments and we will be so much better off because of that. Mm-hmm and that he'll help us through that and just keeping him in the center of our lives no matter what, whether it's a good day or a bad day. Mm-hmm. Those are usually the things that I that I would pray for when I was going, especially when I'm going through more of a hard time. Yeah. And how does God respond in those moments? Honestly, that's why I started um, journaling a lot more because mm-hmm. I would, I'd forget, uh, like, sure. you know, but I would, I would write down um, stuff like that and, and I would look back on it later and there's a few times, you know, like where I would pray, you know, you know, help me to be more patient, help me to be, um, help me to, to desire you more, help me to, um, to find ways to be with you more. And I remember a certain, a certain time that I had written down, um, 
you know, like how to pursue God more and how to have a deep, deeper relationship with him. And then something happened where all of a sudden I wanted to go to mass one morning. Mm. And then I went mm-hmm. the next morning and now I've been wow. able to go most days. And I think that the most common or the, the most recent one uh, that was crazy was I was praying to God for more adoration. I was oh, praying wow. with him for more opportunities. And I was really asking him, you know, just, you know, whatever I have to do, mm. whatever mm-hmm. I have to do, you know, it's fine. So I asked a friend of mine from the church if she would talk with Father and try to get, you know, more adoration there, you know. And um, she was like, yeah, I'll talk to him, whatever. Well, a couple of weeks w- went by. I, I didn't hear much back or whatever. And then she sent me a text and she's like, hey, you know, the Archdiocese wants um, wants to meet with you and wants to know if you had any powerful encounters in adoration. <laughs> I'm like, wait. <laughs> like, and so I called her and she kind of explained it. And I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not good at that. You know, like whatever. And I just heard this little voice just saying, you know, like you said anything. You mm-hmm. said that you'd do anything. And Prayer I was like, answered. I'm like, I'm like, you guys. So I'm like, so I'm like, all right. You know, and I remember that it was, she didn't know the day that we, that we, um, that we talked on the phone. Yeah. Um, and I think it was maybe two days after I was at, I was at mass at the church and she was like, oh, by the way, we have mass back on, I think it was Thursday or Wednesday mm-hmm. that it started on. Um, so now we have it back to two days a week. She goes, I just wanted to let you know. Oh my gosh. You know, and I was like, okay, like that's, you know, <laughs> that's answered prayers. I had prayed for a stronger relationship with God and I had prayed for, um, you know, more adoration yeah. and more masses in the church and in a way that I didn't expect it to be answered. He right. answered, you know, mm-hmm. my prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And in a way that, you know, goes so far beyond just your personal devotion, you know, there, um, our whole church is in, in the midst of a national Eucharistic revival right now to, you know, have more access to adoration, to spend more time with Jesus in the blessed sacrament. And the fact that you are praying for that and are part of that, the answer that, that God yeah. is giving you is is really kind of powerful to witness um, and to, to hear about. So, um, yeah, really incredible, really, really incredible. Well, thank you so much, Paolo, for sharing your story again here on the podcast. Um, it's it's I'm inspired by the ways you have seen already in, in, a, in a short life how little by little God has really worked um, worked in your life and, and transformed you through his presence in the Blessed Sacrament. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hello App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.